One guy's a three-time Pro Bowler, the other's a three-time Wisconsin Sports Writer of the Year, and together, they're just two guys talking pack. This is the Coon Podcast with Jason Wildey and John Coon. It is the John Coon Podcast, episode number 13. 13. That's, that's a lucky number. That is a lucky number. It's a lucky bye week. Unless it's Friday. That voice belongs to John Kuhn. He is the star of the Kuhn podcast, the Packers uh, icon, legend. You do this every week. It's unnecessary anymore. It's it's kind of like getting asked the same question at a press conference week after week after week. <laughs> and then getting shot down and not feeling very well about it. All right, so we are here during the bye week. Players had Tuesday and Wednesday off. Aaron Rodgers made a wise crack that maybe a few fellows enjoyed themselves on New Year's Eve. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm upset we didn't get to poke a little bit at that answer. You were and, intrigued and, by this. Well, yeah, I wanted to dive in. I wanted to, I wanted to know what fun means. You know, they, 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 they implied that they had themselves a good New Year's, which they deserve. They had themselves a great season, and now they have a bye week, so they deserve a great New Year's. And I'm just kind of. Curious, what do players do now for New Year's that that makes it fun? Now, so you told the story on a previous episode of the Coon Podcast that you guys went on a little bye week trip, but that was that that was that was the, the regular playoffs. season. That was no, the regular season. We would never dare to do that during the bye. Well, week. Tony Romo did. Yeah, and you see where that got him. I got a lot of negative attention, and the Giants went on a boat, and the Giant, and you see where that got them. So nobody went anywhere, and no, that was probably smart. No, you don't take you don't take buy trips in the postseason. During the regular season, I think it's all right. Okay. Yeah, during the postseason, no, no. So I think it's interesting that Matt Lafleur took the approach. Though I can't remember the last time these guys had a buy. I think was fourteen. It was fourteen when you guys won mm-hmm. uh, in the the Des caught it didn't catch it game then in the NFC division round. So. I can't remember what the schedule was like. You were a player then, and I can't remember what the schedule was like. But I don't remember. I don't remember practicing. See, I don't either. I don't think you did. I don't remember practicing at all during any bye, regular season or postseason, for quite After some time. The CBA. Changed. I was going to say that. I was going to say post CBA. So after 2011, right? I do not remember ever practicing during a bye so now now today i don't know it's a practice yes and, and they and they had some seven on seven and a couple quick reps of team but that's not their normal practice no. that's to make sure these guys are on their feet getting the blood flowing not sitting on their couch doing nothing maybe not going to cabo or some of these places right with and jessica simpson <laughs> and marco it, rivera so it's it's kind of a hey we're not giving you guys a curfew, but we're going to keep you here a little bit. So so they they came in on Monday after the win in Detroit. Then they had Tuesday, Wednesday off for New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. Then they practice today, which is Thursday as we're recording this, practicing on Friday. Then they have Saturday, Sunday off. And then they're going to practice again on Monday, have a traditional Tuesday off, and then it's into a regular week. By then, by Monday, they'll also know who they're playing. Mm-hmm. But you, you like this? I, I, I have to be honest. I, and Rogers made a wise crack at his locker about how you guys, meaning us in the media, 
you know, basically want to say they're an average team that knows how to win. Well, that's that's what that's, that's what the media has said. It is, and and it has some validity to it as well. I would just say this: I don't think they're clicking on all cylinders to the degree that you don't you didn't necessarily need today. I would, tomorrow's I, you practice. know, it's it's wild because you could you can point at spots where they're not clicking on all cylinders, but you can point at some spots where right now they are unequivocally clicking on all cylinders such as the defense I, th- I think the defense has been spectacular the last five weeks of the season you know once once that once that game came in san francisco i feel like they've they kind of tuned it in a little bit pulled the reins they started throwing in some wrinkles and uh communicating better communicating better but but really when you when you look at the last five games and i know a lot of people point at uh, the opponents. Well, everybody plays these opponents throughout the course of the year. You, you can't you can't pick your schedule. They went into Minnesota and and held them to 160 right. yards. Dalvin Cook or no Dalvin? Cook. Yeah, they held them to 160 yards. People were talking about Kirk Cousins, you know, fringe MVP candidate. And they, Correct. So so they are clicking um, on all cylinders at certain spots. And you know what? Their offense is not near as far off as people think. So let's explore that a little bit, because um, that got a very curt answer from Aaron Rodgers today. Um, I, I'm tired of talking about that, I believe was his line. Yeah. But how far off was, do you think was, they are? And that was in reference to the consistency. And, right. and yeah, they have been inconsistent. That's why he's tired of answering the question. And they might not be consistent in the playoffs, but if they can get hot and score like they have in bunches here at times during the season... They're going to be all right, especially with playing at Lambeau Field. So I asked him, I, I think, I thought it was pretty clear that I was asking him about his own performance, and he then turned it more into a discussion of the offense as a whole. But one of the things he kept harping on during his answer to me was timing. And then he referenced how there are certain plays that they're running that the timing is good on, mm-hmm. and it seems to always be good on. And then they keep trying these other plays and the timing just hasn't been there all year on those plays. Is that him saying, look, these plays aren't working, we probably should stop running them? What is that exactly? Because you've been in an offense with him. Boy, I, I, I thought the same thing when I heard, the, when I heard his answer. You thought, that. great question, too, didn't you? Well, no, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, a, it was a good question, but I, I thought his answer was very interesting because it did, it did relay that maybe he does feel like some of these things that they are trying that doesn't seem to be working that is not quite there maybe the receiver's not open maybe the maybe the timing of the ball because what i think of when i think of timing is when he hits the receiver but the receiver's two steps out of bounds you know um when when the play action takes a little bit too long so that the receiver um, can make his double move, and by the time the receiver makes a double move, somebody has then caught up to the play, and Aaron has to you know, let it sail a little bit further because somebody's recovered from that. So he, he also uh, talked about, though, not just timing, but he continues to kind of harp on this guys taking on their roles. And you uh, look, for all you accomplished, you were a wonderful role player, too. Well, thank you. I mean, you 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 did the dirty work. You were on special teams. You did all that stuff. And I asked him a follow-up because he's been harping on that for like a month, right? And, and I, I had a great conversation with Kyler Fackrell today 
who I hadn't really talked to all season, frankly. Did you ask him what his role was? I did. Oh, boy. And it's not much, but <laughs> he's he's accepted it. And, yeah. and what I thought was really interesting, and you having been a leader on teams in the past, I'd be curious your input on this, because you see guys that are selfish. You see guys, I've seen them, that are unhappy in their role. Yep. And I don't want to – cancer is too strong of a word. But I've what? also seen guys who have – um, excelled in role positions. Guys right. that guys that were great players, but sometimes when they were the starter or they got more plays than they could handle, they did not play as well as they did in the role player fashion. The the thirty play, I'm coming in, I'm the change of pace type player at my position fashion i've seen guys excel at that when they when, when they buy into it and i think more guys uh do buy into it than the guys that don't and i think the guys that don't are the ones that you say um turn into a cancer so, or, or have a negative form on this team i don't see a whole lot of that on this team you don't i don't and you're around them all the time not yeah. as much as if you were I, on the roster yeah I, I i do not i do not and the only guy i could think that has to accept a role spot now that might not like it would be MVS, and he in no way shows any signs of of having a lackluster personality about it or having an attitude problem about it. I I feel like he he's buying into his role. I just feel like he he needs to he just needs to make some more of the plays that are there for him. Have you talked to him lately? Because I did recently. Not, not for and, a while. And. I don't think he is a selfish guy. Not at all. I don't. I do think that his confidence has taken a real hit. And in talking with him, he, you, I could kind of sense that. I mean, I think he's a, a conscientious well, see, that's, guy. So that's the that's challenge. a different deal. So that's the challenge. Okay. So so when you when when you put guys more into a role, then. How do they accept that role? As I said, some guys excel, and then you got the, the the negative guys. The negative guys are almost, as long as they aren't so voiceful that the media is catching wind of it, as long as they're not making the airwaves with their negativity, it seems to be not a big deal because the team dismisses it because they understand, hey, he's just going to get less of a role now, right. and he's going to be... Uh, He's gonna have. He's gonna be a non-factor on this team now because he's not embracing his role. But the guys who get rattled, the guys that lose their confidence, they're the ones that you need to step up. They're the ones that you're trying to build back up because they're gonna keep. They're gonna stay in that role position because they have the skills to be a good role player. But now you just need them to play as good as they can at that spot. So if you're having, and, and I don't want to turn this into the MVS podcast by any stretch, but, you know, Matt LaFleur talked about him. and I thought that play in the last game there on uh, on their last touchdown drive was huge for him. Yes, because that's what that I'm was, going Because that was an off-script play uh, to, to a certain extent. Aaron was out of the pocket. Right. He was getting a little bit of pressure. MVS made a tough catch and finished with it out of bounds. You know, stopped the clock. I, I thought that was great out of him. And I thought that was a play that he could build off of going into the playoffs. And that's a real thing, right? Like, oh, if you're absolutely. having confidence problems, you need a play or two and like sometimes that. it's not even having confidence problems. Sometimes you might just find yourself through the ebbs and flows of the season, through the courses of games, maybe not having an impact. Maybe your role is just not messing something up so that other people can do good. And 
you you'll find yourself eventually getting to that spot where the ball is finding you or you are at the point of contact and you did make a play and a lot of times when you start making those they come in bunches they come in games at a time one two three i would not be surprised if marquez takes this into the playoffs and has some sort of an impact in this first divisional game so a few other guys that i think of when i hear rogers talking about guys accepting roles and the first one is Jamal Williams. I think if Jamal Williams is, is being honest with himself. I mean, I think he's been the best role player we've had all year. I would agree. Personally. Yeah. He's, he's stepped off the bench. I will look at the Denver game, and I will look at the Giants game specifically and say, at points when we needed a burst, when we needed kind of an emotional spark on the offensive side, he did that in that in – that, uh, Denver game, he rushed for 100 yards coming off the bench, and he did it so in, in downhill physical fashion right. in kind of a overcast, wet day when guys weren't really keeping their feet. And he's, he's kind of your mutter. He's your downhill guy, and he brought physicality and toughness and, and production to a game where we needed that at that point in time. That is the key to an offense that is inconsistent, is these guys popping up when it is actually their time. Because when you are struggling and your offense is inconsistent for a spurt, then you need that play. You remember after the San Francisco game? You remember after the Charger game? He's, Aaron said specifically, right. we didn't have that right. spark, that big play. And role players a lot of times can be the guys to be that spark. And I want to look back on a little bit of the Detroit game as well because I think there's another player too that fits that narrative when it comes to the performance that they had at Ford Field. But to go back to Jamal Williams. Are you going to say Jimmy Graham? I am going to say Jimmy. Good. Yeah, we're on the same page here because that 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 to me was it was just poetic justice that it would come down to a game that most people would say was not that important on the schedule, but in terms of Super Bowl reality was as important as any game on the schedule. And Jimmy Graham in the second half, even even right before half, he got those couple big catches across the middle, um, the check down that he took for twenty yards. Those 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 are big drive starters. They give you they give your offense some momentum and allow you to be able to move the ball. And that's exactly what they needed in that game. And you saw once their offense got moving there, especially at the start of the second half, they didn't look back. Can you be a player like Jimmy Graham? And I will get back to Jamal Williams in a second. but Because he has a huge drop on the first play. right? And that's the second time in, I think, three weeks where they've had a downfield throw. That's at least a 30-yard gain. And if the safety misses the tackle, Jimmy maybe even scores. And instead it's a drop. And then they go three and out, and they punt. Um, in the first on the first play against the uh, against Washington, MVS open down the field. Rogers puts the ball right where he wants it, and it's either a fifty yard gain or a seventy yard touchdown if yeah. he catches it. But he doesn't. So, in in Jimmy Graham's case, who has accomplished a lot and been a Pro Bowler what six times or whatever he has. When you have a play like that at the beginning of the game, is it different for him than it is for a guy who's in his second year like MVS? Or is he the same way, maybe, and needed those plays in the second half to get him going? Well, I believe it depends on where you are. In Jimmy's case, with with the media on him, the way that they've been all year, with he... These guys can say all they want. They don't read the clippings. They don't watch the shows. They, at some at, at some level, it all works its way down to you. So you know 
the the general feeling behind the base. Behind so if I wrote something negative about John Kuhn, which all, of course would have never happened, but if it did, I would have known about it. You wouldn't have read it. You wouldn't have necessarily read it yourself. <laughs> but like your mom would call or your oh wife would tell you. Oh my gosh! I'm so glad you're bringing this up because that's where you get it. You don't ever because when you're playing bad, you know not to read the clippings. Or if you're right, and maybe you don't even need to be playing bad. Maybe you just aren't producing the way people want you to produce or maybe everybody else is just producing so much and and this was this was a lot when i was playing we had so many guys doing so many great things that it would it would come down to the grades you know somebody would grade the team for a game and they would be like well john didn't make a play and you know he was only in on eight plays and he didn't make a block and he'd say something about that and we give him a d you know and then I, did, I wouldn't read the article, but I would have my mom or my dad or maybe my stepdad or even my sister. Somebody would be like, <laughs> did you see what this Yahoo wrote about you? Like, no, I didn't. Thanks for bringing it to my attention. So you would rather that if, if you're Jimmy Graham or if you're MVS. So, so, what I, so to get back to that, yes, I believe Jimmy is in the same situation as an MVS. When he drops that ball, I believe he feels the heat a little bit. Now, Jimmy being the pro that he is, I believe he can bounce back. Right. But I, I would, he did in the game. I would argue that his emotion in the moment is the same as an MVS. So just to get back to Jamal Williams, since we kind of, much like an Aaron Jones run, we kind of jump cut and went a different direction there. Um, when you say he's the most valuable role player they've had, I mean, he's a guy who probably... On another team, and I spent some time talking with him today. I mean, he, there's a good chance he's a thousand yard rusher for somebody else if he's the number one guy. And instead, yeah. he seems to. He, he, I don't know how thrilled he is about being the number two guy, but he certainly seems to have embraced it to the point of um, he's not grousing or frustrated that he's not. Well, winning helps everything. Oh, let's, amen let's, to that. Let's start with that, and and we're having production with number one, uh, right, Aaron Jones. Now, I, I watched James Starks and how he was kind of uh, Ryan Grant's backup, but when Ryan Grant was hurt, he excelled. And then, you know, Ryan Grant left to go to Washington, and James struggled a little bit in that season. Right. That's when we brought Cedric Benson in during training camp, and Starks was kind of okay. So Starks had that, that rough year where he was kind of the guy. But then when we brought Eddie in, he was back into that that groove thing. He was back into that that great spot. And James James is a guy that that a lot of us argued if he was on another team, he could rush for a thousand yards too. Right. But he didn't. James never really wanted to leave. James understood that if he was here, especially with Eddie, he was going to be productive, and he was going to be productive in his role. And that's all he really cared about. He wanted to be productive in his role on a really good team. And I think that's what made James Stark so great. Is that that's not typical though? Is it like it's admirable? But it's not the norm. It's not the norm. It's it, it. It really isn't. And you know, in a in a year or two here, you know, Jamal and Aaron are going to be coming up on their same contract, right? And because they were in the same draft class, and Jamal was drafted in front of Aaron, and I believe that Jamal believes in his talents um, as much as anybody else on his team. I I believe in his talents. So it'd be it'll be really interesting to see when those contracts come running up, um, who will be got for what. And if and if they can both stay on this team, they both are going into their final years of their rookie deals as they finish up their third NFL seasons. 
and they're headed for the postseason at 13-3. and three. There's a few other guys, though, that will be free agents, and we can talk about that in subsequent episodes of the Coon podcast. But one of them is Mason Crosby, who you were teammates with for a very long time. Mm-hmm. I know you two are close. He obviously delivered in a huge way in Detroit. I know he did miss a kick earlier in the game, so now he has two missed field goals on the season and I believe one missed extra point, so he's missed three kicks all year. Uh, with everything he went through from Molly's cancer diagnosis during or right before training camp to having to beat out Sam Ficken to keep his job to then his sister-in-law, his brother Reese's wife, passing away a couple of weeks ago. He's got two walk-off or one of them sprint off because he ran into the stands on the Lambeau Leap on the Monday night game. But two walk-off games, game-winning field goals, and they both came against the team that when they were in Detroit last year, he had his probably worst game of his career. Yeah, now let's just go back to last season and the fact that he missed four field goals and an extra point in one Correct. game. Yep. And, and that, that's the scene of the crime. And a crime that atrocious, you're going to have some demons, right? Your demons are going to be the team that you played. Well, you're going to have three. You're going to have your next kick, which his next kick, which was his last kick in the building, he walked up and he put it through the upright. So that was a way to get over that. It's your next kick. It's your last kick. And he, and he made it. But your next two, and the big ones going into this season, we're going to be playing the Lions and playing at Ford Field. Right. Well, the first time he played the Lions, he took care of that. He kicked the game winner here at home with no time remaining. You said he sprinted off the field. He did a Lambeau leap. He he exercised that demon. Now, the second one was going into Ford Field and being able to do it again. And for him, for a guy who has been through such, you know, travesty and, and tragedy this year, um, with his family and everything that's going on with the battles of cancer, to be able to have the performance he did, not just exercising his demon at Ford Field, but his whole entire season. You know, he's 91.67% on Best of his career. That is best of his career and a Packer franchise record for a season. So he not only had his best season, he had the Packers in 101 years best season ever as a kicker and to do that with everything that has to be weighing on him with his family and with the Detroit memory from last year I think his performance against the Lions was extremely admirable crazy that uh, at that time Aaron Rodgers even admitted that as he was as they were flying back from Detroit he was worried that his friend might get cut I mean that tells you how bad of a performance that was and what was going through at least other people's mind if not Mason Crosby's as well. Well, it tell it speaks a lot to our personnel department as well that they didn't release him because since then since that day that he missed 5 kicks, he has missed uh 4 kicks in 111 attempts. Right. That is phenomenal. The fact that they believed in him and stuck with him and gave him that chance, and he delivered. Yeah, over 100 kicks, and he's missed only a handful. That tells you how he's responded. Now, I would also add, before we talk any more about that Lions game and then look ahead to the wild card weekend, 
that patience is a virtue, and sometimes it's not, right? Sometimes you stick with a guy and it turns out to be a mistake. That happens in this league all the time. I think more times than not that happens because you, you've invested a lot in that guy, either a draft pick and or you a know lot of down money, deep that he can't do it and, and you're a lot doing of it money, anyway. And, and, and then all of a sudden, one year, it's like cut bait. But for, for a couple years, you got to stick with it because you invested a heck of a lot in that guy, and, and that can take a toll on a team. In Mason Crosby's case, though, he was in the last year of his deal. They could have saved themselves a bunch of money by cutting him and going with a cheap alternative. By the way, Sam Ficken missed like twice as many kicks this season with the Jets as Mason Crosby missed in Green Bay. But I, I guess I'm curious because just that position in general, now, you were not a kicker in the NFL, but as we watch that position unfold in recent years, if you start messing with it, it's kind of like, you know, you're not a mechanic. If you go underneath the hood of your car and you start messing with it, tinkering, if you will, you're probably doing more harm than good. We've talked about this before on here. We've talked about how you can take a special kickoff returner like Ross was a few years ago and start trying to make him do stuff more because he was as explosive as he was and trying to get him to be even more explosive and then you might mess him up and then you watch him right. go to a division rival and you know run four kickbacks for touchdowns and then you know J.K. Scott this year he was lighting the world on fire with his hang time and punts and then in an effort to try and increase that hang time and punts right. he changed his Struggle. drop and his drop change made him struggle. I believe he's out of that now because he's been kicking pretty well here the yep. last few games. So that's that's another good sign for the Packers going into the playoffs. But you said it right there. Those positions especially, and you see it at other positions too. You know, when, when Alan Barber was here, he, he was lights out for a while, and then he got beat on a speed rush, and they wanted him to, to sit back a little bit more and be more patient, and that wasn't his game. He, right. was an ingre- he was an aggressive guy, and he needed to be aggressive and physical, and, you know, it, that, that messed him up. And the guy played for 13 years in the NFL because he went somewhere else and said, I'm going back to being aggressive. Right. So you got us see, Tauscher back, though. It did get us Tauscher back for, for a playoff and, and into the Super Bowl year, so that was that's always a good thing for us so but do you think that teams should be and the Packers now twice have been patient with Mason right in 2012 and now again after last season um, do you think that should be a lesson to teams because you look at these teams that have had kicker carousels and they just keep having guys come the, the name changes but the misses continue well see I think the thing for Mason is and and this is I'm not in the personnel department, but I would just say a guy who has produced for me for as long as Mason did, it's a lot easier to stick with them because, you know, I can believe that a guy, even as great as they are, look at Adam Vinatieri this year, they can go through a slump. And uh, some would some would say Adam Vinatieri should have should have been done this year, and Adam even said he wanted to retire, but they just they they talked right. him out He's of it. He's forty seven. Yeah, talked him out of it. Talked him out. Of it. They, actually, I saw a stat the other day that there are. Uh, dozen players or so in the NFL that weren't even born when he was playing. Right. When he yeah. started playing. Yeah, his rookie year was like 96. <laughs> so I, I think you can stick with guys too long, but I think when you have guys as special as Mason and them, you, you endure those slumps because you know what they can do on the other side of it. You said you're not in personnel. You're on the dot-com side. You're on the I Packers on the radio network. Side. That's what I officially got to say. Um, 
Would you ever want to be on the scouting side? Yeah, I did that a little bit down in down in New Orleans, and I know, you know, I I got my feet wet with it. I I loved it. It was fun. It was a lot of fun, and and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the role of of uh, scouting players and advanced scouting teams and uh, and creating um, like reports for coaches and and games and and reports on players for what you think that that player can be and that's fun it's 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 fun especially because i know the game i know how difficult it is and i know how challenging it is and i i know a guy can get beat on a play and uh and it might not necessarily be because he's not a a good player he might be a great player and still gets beat on a plane and you can kind of see those things after playing the game as long as i did so are there any instances like uh last week we were talking to Devonte adams and he was saying that he and Jordy, and I don't know if there were a few others, maybe you guys did this, you and the quarterback and others, where you um, the draft class would come in or the rookie class would come in and you would kind of pick your guy. Yeah, we did that all the time. We did that all you the did. time. You did? Okay, yeah. so Devontae was bragging because he picked Aaron Jones in 2017. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I believe he uh, outed Jordy Nelson as having picked – Justin Perillo, yeah, who did have a touchdown catch yeah. from Aaron Rodgers at one point in his career. I will say this: Justin Perillo's off-season workouts when he first got here, he came in as a street free agent, and he didn't wear gloves. He had long hair, and he kind of reminded you of Dallas Clark, mostly because he was white and didn't wear gloves. Okay, but he caught every single ball in off-season workouts. Now, when you put the pads on, there's a much different transition. You're sure. getting hit. You got a block now. So he had he had a learning curve that he had to get over on that end. But Justin Perillo was a guy that could play, man, and and we saw it. And and sometimes sometimes you only get one or two cracks at it, and you got to find a way in those one or two cracks to to make yourself stay. And sometimes you might even do enough in those in, in those two opportunities, but it, it might just pass you anyways. This this league has so many guys that can play in it that don't stay and sometimes it's not you know sometimes it is their fault but sometimes it isn't their fault right. and there's a lot of guys on the street that can come in and play roles on NFL teams so when you, as we've seen this year with Tyler Irvin right and Jared Valdir right um so who were do you have any that you remember picking out as the veteran guy watching the the young rooks come in I know Rodgers has always been very proud of the fact that he felt like he saw something in James Starks during training camp. Yeah, Aaron in loved James. Aaron loved James. Um, we all love James, <laughs> just because what's not to love about? It? I spent every right. day with him, so I love James. I just loved his personality, whether he could produce on the field or not, because we didn't know at the time. But right. whether he could or not, I wanted him to stay just because I enjoyed his his company all that much. But uh, one one guy that I saw early on was Evan Dietrich Smith. Ooh, yeah, an interesting. Un- an undrafted free agent, and he was raw. I mean, he was raw. I mean, he made as many mistakes as you could imagine, and he couldn't point out the mic. But, boy, when he got his hands on somebody, he could control them. Really? And I and I love that about Evan. And uh, Evan's made a pretty darn nice career for himself, 11 years in the NFL. So not all here with the Packers. Um, bounced around a little bit to get his start, but then finished pretty nicely down in Tampa. You know, another guy that kind of fits that mold, and I think his rookie year was your first year in New Orleans, was Lucas Patrick. Yeah, and he's done fantastic. How about his play in the last game, coming in um, – 
coming in there for uh, for for Lindsley for when Lindsley's yeah. back locks up, and but he gets his extension and then suddenly he's in the game. He, and and it's great. It's it's so funny because you remember talking to him at training camp, and he had he he admits his confidence was broken, and it took right. a conversation with Aaron at lunch to kind of bring him back and get him playing in the fold, and then he makes the team, and I'm sure that was a sigh of relief. And then he plays well throughout the season in the spot times that he has gotten down there in Dallas when Corey got the concussion. Right. And then, uh, you know, as the extra tight end, as the sixth lineman in some of their jumbo packages, and he's played well, and he's earned that extension. And once you get that, I always say this, once a player, especially a player, a role player, a fringe player, gets an extension, and they feel that little bit of validation, they feel that little bit of um, acknowledgement from their own organization, then you really see what they can do. Because then then they're kind of playing free of uh, any anxiety, right. and they just go out there, and they want to prove it even more. And they, I, I see it more and more and more when these guys get these extensions, then they take their play to another level, and they are consistently at that level. And it's not a guy who got a huge extension where you do think, you know, there's there's always a different mentality, right? If you get a really big extension, uh, some guys, it puts more pressure on them because they want to justify it. Other guys, truth be told, some complacency sets in. I got paid. Yep. I'm not quite as on edge as I was before. Well, look at what Dean Lowry did this year. He got the extension before the year, and he's turned himself into a bona fide starter on this team yep, and right. making plays. And and they move him all around that defensive front. His role and his activity in this defensive front is more than it's ever been, and he has not missed a beat. He, he after getting a contract extension, has been given more responsibility, and he has handled it very well. So we've talked about a few aspects of the Detroit. Detroit game, but let's talk a little more about that before we look ahead. Um, some positives do come out of that, including I understand that what everyone. Do you mean some positives. Well, because I think a lot of fans wanted the Packers to do to the Lions what your other old team, the Saints, did to Carolina, right? Well, Forty-five to three. I wanted that to happen too for a couple reasons. I was in my fantasy championship and I had Devontae <laughs> and Aaron Jones, and I just wanted them to get in there, mm. get a whole bunch How'd of points. That go? Actually, did you get enough? I, I, no, I lost. But they, I mean, they performed. <laughs> Aaron Jones had 100 yards. Devontae had 93 receiving and a touchdown. And a touchdown. So, right. they, so they did but all. Not enough. They, no, not enough. But I wanted them to get in there, get me my fantasy championship, and then I wanted them to get out and get rested and get some of these other guys into play. As we saw, that didn't happen. But what I saw was I saw a team that proved to me that they are a good team. Because a team that isn't a good team walks out there flat as a pancake in the first half like they were right, and never recovers. This team recovered. This team recovered. Why do you think they did? Well, I think they all just, I think they tightened up a little bit in the second half. Uh, that was a tough week last week. When you talk about an emotional division win against a team that was supposed to beat you at their place right. at, on at Monday least, night, at least media says so, on the road, you, you come away with that huge emotional, physical victory. I said last week, you did. One, one, one of the most impressive performances, if not the most impressive performance by our team all season long. Now, now you got to ride that wave of success and emotion, which obviously comes down. The... The adrenaline comes down. You fall from that. You fall from that at 
8.30 in the morning on a Tuesday when you get home, and you have to come in on that Tuesday to do a walkthrough because Christmas Day is Wednesday. Right. Then you come back on Thursday, and you have two days worth of practice, Wednesday and Thursday in the same day. And these, still in jog-through format. These guys, these guys were exhausted. There's no doubt in my mind. These guys were exhausted from the mental, the emotional, the spiritual, uh, you know, Christmas, the families. It, I, I'm convinced these guys were just drained from that week. And an early game on the road again in Detroit, you, you could see it. So how do they turn things around? Because I do think that there is significant value in... You're down seventeen to three at the half. Well, I'm going to say. So, what I actually think is 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 kind of the flip of the switch, is the offense drives down there at the end of the first half, finally gets some points. Right, we're back, and this team all year. I've said this team all year. You'll look at them on the sideline, and they'll either be losing a game or winning, not in the way that they should be winning, and there's nobody panicking. Everybody just believes on this team, if we finish the game 60 minutes doing our thing, we're going to win. That's a special feeling to have, that belief that we're just going to win. But you go down there on offense, you finally kick a field goal, you think this is the time it's going to turn. I actually think it doesn't turn until Detroit rips off those two runs and kick a field goal on the other end because now they say, oh, wait. No, no, we are actually going to have to work. We are actually going to have to tighten our bolts and do this, or we will let this game slip. It turned out that Aaron Rodgers called the screen pass to Aaron Jones that obviously is a hugely critical play in the game to get that drive going. Um, I'm, I'm intrigued at the way those two, he and LaFleur, have continued to evolve in terms of how that offense operates with his experience. It does seem, and again, their offense has been inconsistent. No one is disagreeing with that. But it does seem like they, with every passing week, the two of them get a little bit more of an understanding of where each's boundaries are or where each's strengths are. Well, I'll say this. So Aaron was getting crushed for... The overthrows, the 16 overthrows, the 17 throws over over 20 yards, and, and, and everything, his passer rating in the first half, and missing guys. But what I'll say was different about that was it looked like Aaron had bought in 100% to the game plan that week. And it wasn't working. It wasn't working in the first half. Right. But at least Aaron was 100% bought in. He's throwing the routes on timing. Might not been in time, but he's throwing the routes on his timing. They're catching him out of bounds or getting him bad away, whatever was happening. But he was bought in. So he was bought into the game plan, whatever it was that he, LaFleur, and the coaching staff had put together that week. He was bought in, and that's what they were going to do. And they wrote it out, and you saw in the second half they executed that game plan better. 20 points in a half, 20 points in that second half, that's some production. Right, and we haven't seen that. They've had a lot of games where they had 20 points total in the course of a game all right so it's the bye week obviously new orleans minnesota philadelphia seattle both playing this weekend what is this weekend like for a team i know it's been a while since this team has had that bye but you know matt lafleur said they did scout advanced scouting on all three potential opponents the only team that's playing this weekend they can't play are the vikings because they're the sixth seed if they somehow advance they would play San Francisco. So are they talking about, uh, are they are they being honest and going, all right, 
This is there could be three teams, but we're gonna probably Jason, play New Orleans. What would you do? I, I would prep for New Orleans the, twice as much. Do the sniff test. Yeah, it's twice as much. I'm I'm gonna at double, least twice. As I'm much. gonna double down on that, and I'm preparing four times. I'm preparing for New Orleans ninety percent this week, Ooh. and I'll tell you why. Because I do do genuinely think um, the Vikings are gonna lose that game down in New Orleans. I think New Orleans is gonna take care of that business. I think, and if that happens, we have to play New Orleans. We don't even have a chance at the other Correct. two. And, be, and, and because of the fact that we've already played Philadelphia once at home, yes, they're going to have some different pieces, and yes, they might have a couple different wrinkles in our offense, but we've already advanced, scouted them once. We already have the baseline for them. We just need to update that stuff. That takes a few days. Um, and Seattle is a team that when you look at them, Aaron has played that defense, that type, that style, that version of that defense, granted a couple different players, a lot in his right. career. No, you're so right. He, so he's familiar with them. And number two, on, on, on trying to protect yourself against their offense, it's really just a game plan for Russell Wilson. So I, I'm, I'm hedging everything and saying if we have to rally on those other two teams, we do. But I am preparing wholeheartedly for New Orleans to come in here in a couple weeks because – Quite frankly, they're the team that I think gives the best chance of of an upset here at Lambeau Field. So that's the team I want to make sure I'm the most prepared for. Plus, that's the totally team agree. I think I'm most going to be playing. So they have already, the beauty of the bye is you can't get eliminated on opening weekend because you're not playing on it. What are the other benefits of it? That's obviously the number one benefit. You advance to the next round without having to play a game. This is a team that's been very healthy, but Mm -hmm. you look at the practice today, they had a lot of guys that are valuable, especially up front. I was going to go there. You know, Everybody talks about the health of this team. I wonder if this team only played four games on turf this year, if that had a part to do of it. to do with it. Interesting. They only played four games on turf. You see the games are much physically uh, daunting on turf. They're faster, they're more violent. And that's seen because we've had a few injuries the last few weeks. You talk about Jamal Williams in Minnesota. You talk about the concussion in Corey Lindsley's back this past week, B.J. Goodson's neck. So there have been some injuries on this turf with these violent, fast, physical football games, Hmm. turf road games back-to-back. With that said, we got the bye. Now we can rest and recover these guys. We've been healthy all year, better than any team in the NFL. We probably need the bye the least, but we still need it, and we're still going to use it. And we're still going to get guys healthy. I expect us to be close to you know, full strength when we go here in a couple weeks. The second thing that I think is really, really big, uh, aside from getting your advanced scout that we talked about on New Orleans, which I hope they're doing upstairs. I hope they listen to the podcast, and they're going to do that upstairs. Well, they're smart, they do. <laughs> but aside from that, you can reinvent yourself a little bit. Now, I'm not saying you're going to recreate the wheel, but you can throw in a little nuggets. If you remember at the end of the 2012 football season, we let You San guys Francisco, lost that San Francisco game when you lost to Minnesota we, in the finale. We let San Francisco steal the bye from us because we couldn't finish at Minnesota. So what did that give them the opportunity to do? Install. Create the read option with oh. Colin Kaepernick, and the guy rushed for a quarterback playoff record a million yards in one football game You're against right. us. And that was something they would have had if they had that in works during that season, they would have had to have shown that in the wild card round and we would have been prepared for that going to that game. Everything was standing. 
they they got the buy, they got the element of surprise, and they whooped us with that. So that you can throw in those nuggets. And sometimes if a nugget's working and you can sit on it the whole game like they did, you can see a route like that. So that was that was a, an instance of if they have to play the previous week. And you're you're saying maybe they had it in there already? Yeah, because I find it hard to believe they had that much read option installed in their offense in just three days of practice. Oh, maybe huge, they did. Though. Maybe they did. But I think that was something they were working towards the end of the year. Maybe they showed once or twice on film the last couple regular season games. Saw it got five, ten, maybe twelve yards, and people. They're, they said, we can bank this, we can hide this, because people think we are just doing this you know, to make them prepare for something, but we're not really showing it as our attacking right. offense. So they banked it and they kept it, and when it blew up the way it did in that playoff game, they ran the lights out of it. You know, if you don't get hosed in Seattle, you still have the bye, right? Yeah, I know that, too. I didn't want to go there because I've done enough complaining about the referees, especially with the Wisconsin debacle. I know they turned the ball over. I know they turned they the ball over. They did, four times. But you cannot. You cannot call that offensive pass interference at that point in time in the game. And it wasn't even a pick route. No. It, it was, he was just trying to get free of the defender. Now, I will say, if he was trying to do his job, he should have outside released because if an inside receiver is doing an outbreaking route to another receiver, that receiver can never, is never allowed to inside release. So he shook outside, went inside, got stalemated. He should have stayed going outside. That's good advice. Anything else we didn't cover today in the 13th episode of the John Kuhn podcast? What did you do for New Year's? Nothing. I saw the ball you drop at the 11. You have the most boring holiday stories ever. <laughs> we are going to make a book of what, what did not you to do. do. What, what did, did you do? do? You were home with your wife and your kids. I, I rented the movie uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, gee, you got me beats. <laughs> I can't. New Year's is something that it's just overrated, New in my opinion. It, yeah, well, did you ever party on New Year's? Did you sure, ever? Sure, in my youth, sure. You know that was a trending thing on on Twitter this weekend was New Year's suck or something like that because everybody was uh, underwhelmed with their New. Year. First of all, if you're underwhelmed on New Year's, you just put too much anticipation into it. You just thought it was going to be. Too how big. long have you been married? Ten years. And how long were you with your wife before that? Another five or so. So, like, I, I, for example, when you are going through New Year's single, there is a an angst with the approaching like midnight thing. What do you think is going to happen at New Year's? What do you listen? I'm you're just say, saying. Like, can like, we go back to kiss, single? Can stuff. we go back to single, Ooh, Jason? Yeah, Willie? that was a long time ago. It was before know, you got here. You know, I used to always go bowling with my parents on New Year's, and we would, you know, and then the ball would drop, and people would pop champagne, and you, you'd have a, you'd have a good old time. And I did that for quite some time. And then when I was playing in the NFL, obviously, you know, I, I couldn't do it. So so we didn't, unless New Year's fell on the perfect night, which was a Sunday, which you're probably playing on already, right. or a Monday night. You never really got to do New Year's. That's why I just I, I never really got into the New Year's thing. Sounds like the guys were able to do that this week, though. Yeah, yeah. And, and we missed our opportunity to ask what those stories were. <laughs> and you watched a movie, and I watched the ball drop at 11 p.m. Central and went to bed. This is a great podcast. A couple of lamos. We'll do it again next week. Thanks for tuning in to the John Coon Podcast.